0: Hello, Buckeye fans, and welcome to another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I am Patrick Murphy of Bucknuts and 24-7 Sports, joining you again this week as we talk. Some Buckeyes will look ahead to this weekend's game against Minnesota. We will look back a little bit last week and the win against Michigan State. Kind of what you should take away from a blowout win like that and, and what what kind of is real from that Buckeye's performance? Uh, we may talk a little Michigan, that seems to be a topic that comes up, and if you have any questions, feel free to throw them in the comments, we'll answer as many as we can here at the end of the show, so feel free to get those in for us uh, throughout. Let's kick it off, focusing on what's coming this week, oh, and we've got our beer here, uh, today is a Coors Light Day, keeping it, keeping it simple, so uh, cheers to that. Uh, but let's kick off talking about the Gophers here, and we bring in our friend Ryan Burns from I from Gopher Illustrated, our 24-7 Sports Minnesota site. Ryan, thanks for joining with us. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Like I told you in, in the pre-production meeting, I don't have a beer. I got some coffee here that I'm still trying to work through, but it's never a bad time for a beer because like you always like to tell me, it's 5 o'clock somewhere.
0: Yeah, well, in, in your case, it's even an hour earlier, so it's a little <laughs> extreme, unless you're having like a lunch beer, I guess. Um, we're just crazy over here at Bucknuts. It's It's in the name, right? Buck Nuts. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's look at this Gophers team um, kind of from a big picture perspective first. For Ohio State fans who haven't paid a ton of attention, what were kind of your expectations coming into this year? And how have things kind of meshed with what you were hoping to see from this team?
1: Yeah, the Vegas preseason win total for this team was somewhere around six and a half or seven, which is exactly what I predicted. I thought they were going to be seven and five come the end of the season. Uh, It hasn't exactly gone the way I thought it was going to go, because seemingly every single game has been dramatic one way or another, whether it's dramatically bad dramatically good you start off the season with the last second field goal against nebraska national television and you get your first win of the season and then you go to north carolina things don't click you lose by 20 points you come back home or excuse me you go on the road to northwestern you have a 21 point lead as i'm sitting there at ryan field with 13 minutes left in the game and you find a way to blow it and then you lose in overtime in dramatic fashion obviously michigan comes and goes they do what they've done all year You win in Iowa City for the first time since 1999. You then beat Michigan State by a couple of touchdowns. You have Illinois two weeks ago at 4th and 11. Their backup quarterback hasn't thrown a pass since, since September. Comes in three plays later, it's a touchdown. You lose in dramatic fashion. And then last week against Purdue, everything spontaneously combusted on defense. A lot of injuries at the linebacking core. And you give up over 600 total yards. Over 300 on the ground. It's just seemingly there hasn't been a game where you really look at more or less this season, especially in conference play, where it's gone exactly like you thought it would. And I think that's part of the frustration for Gopher fans this season in year seven with PJ Fleck. But it's just been it's such an up and down roller coaster season.
0: Sounds like it. Um, I'd I'd witnessed some of that watching from afar. Hadn't seen every game, but kind of looking back on it this week. It does seem like a roller coaster a bit. Uh, You mentioned PJ Fleck, and uh, I asked you about this in in our written back and forth that we did. But there was obviously some reporting before the season uh, about some stuff surrounding him. Just I don't know how much you want to get into kind of how that's uh, played out. But what's kind of the vibe? You mentioned year seven, a guy who Mm -hmm. um, you know came in with a pretty high reputation at what he'd done at a lower level. But what what's the perspective? among Gopher fans of P.J. Flack and kind of where he's got this program right now.
1: Yeah, the the hit piece, more or less, the way we've kind of viewed it here in the Minnesota media is uh, that dropped right before Big Ten media days, alleging a toxic culture, uh, alleging a lot of different things. And I think if you were to go back and ask that author, I think he would be rather looking at a different Big Ten West institution that actually did have a lot of things going on. And the thing with PJ, and it seemingly happens every year something like that comes out, is he's very polarizing because of his personality. I mean, the way I like to characterize him from having now seven years of interactions with him with the camera on, the camera off, whatever it may be, he is who he is. It doesn't change when the lights come on, but he's not one Red Bull. He's five walking Red Bulls all the time. And you'll know within 15 seconds of meeting him whether that's the type of guy that you want to have a conversation with that you want to have your son or daughter play for um, or not. And if it's not, it's going to be, again, just like this season, you're either going to love him or you're going to hate him because of that personality. So it's been, it's been a lot of different things for him this season. And I know that, I mean, he's talked about it um, each and every week here with us in the media, that they've yet to play a full game of complimentary football on offense, defense, and special teams. We've seen games where the defense plays well, the offense doesn't offense and defense play well the special teams spontaneously combust for the seventh straight year. I mean, it's just been very tough for this team to put it all together. And I think that ultimately, I mean, I I forget who the coach was who ultimately said, you are what your record says you are. And that's what Minnesota is at five and five. They've just been a big ball of inconsistency.
0: Which side of the ball would you say has been the most consistent then for for the Gophers?
1: Uh, I would say the offense. I think if you look at their RR, if you look at their points per game and wins and losses, I think it's 22 points either way. Um, that's where you look at the games where, I mean, that's what I'm going to remember about this season is why, why isn't Minnesota seven and three right now with the, uh, with the loss to Northwestern, the loss to uh, Illinois, and even last week to Purdue. I mean, they've scored, I believe, 26, 27 and 34 points in big 10 West games and found a way to lose. Why? Because their defense, their defense has just not been consistent, and that's where offensively I think they've been a lot better since the bye, and that correlates with their quarterback, Ethan Kaliak-Manus, playing a little bit more consistent. I think he's had three touchdowns and uh, back-to-back games here, no picks. I mean, he's been playing better, certainly, but it's first half versus second half, even offensively. Minnesota's been outstanding in the first half the last few weeks. And then they get to the second half, and you look at Athens' completion percentage and this, the passing game in general, it falls off a cliff. The execution falls off a cliff. So the defense has their own issues. The offense has their own issues. But I would say offense has been a little bit more consistent.
0: Reminder if you tuned in late, we are talking with Ryan Burns of uh, Gopher Illustrated, our 24 7 sports Minnesota site, about. The Buckeyes upcoming opponent this weekend, uh, as I mentioned off the top, if you have questions, throw them in the chat. If you have questions for Ryan about Minnesota, throw them in the chat and we'll try and get to some of those throughout the show. Uh, Ryan, talking about the offense, the run game seems to have been the the strong point for Minnesota. It's clearly an emphasis for the Gophers. I know there's been injuries in that department, um, what can you tell us about kind of the health of that pitch sitch, that position group? Excuse me, and uh, what Buckeye fans should expect to see on Saturday on the ground?
1: I mean, the last time Buckeye fans saw Minnesota, Mohammed Ibrahim was running yeah. circles around them and was on his way to a 200-yard game, and then he pops his Achilles in the late third quarter and that game in Huntington Bank Stadium a couple years ago. Just flips on its head. Um, it looks a lot different back there now with Mo Ibrahim no longer on the team. Let me run you through where Minnesota's at in the running back room. Uh, The starter they had in game one, Sean Tyler from Western Michigan. He hasn't seen the field much. Why? Because he can't stop fumbling. And P.J. Flex's biggest motto or mantra within the program, the ball is the program. And if you continue to put it on the turf and just just, uh, two games ago, he took the opening kickoff and fumbled it. And then he never saw the field again. He just, he can't stop fumbling. So he's no longer really part of the equation you running back two and Bryce Williams is out for the season with injury. You're running back three, Darius Taylor, has played essentially three full healthy games. And when he has played in 60 minutes of games, he's been the Big Ten freshman of the week three different times. And that happened in three games. And that But he got injured on his 31st carry against Northwestern, returned after the bye week for Iowa, got re-injured, hasn't appeared since. So he's been out with injury. You're running back four as a freshman by the name of Zach Evans. He's been banged up, left in the second quarter last week, did not return. So now you're on a former walk on uh, and Jordan Newbin, who is Minnesota's star safety, Tyler Newbin's younger brother. And it's a great story, but the reality is Minnesota is a much better football team when Darius Taylor is on the field because what Fleck wants to do offensively is hold time of possession, run the football, and there have been some plays here the last couple of weeks where if you can just make one man miss, it's an explosive play. And again, Jordan Newbin has done a lot for this football team in the last few weeks. And it's a great story, but Minnesota needs to find health to that position if they want to be the offense that Fleck wants them to be. So it's been a struggle, uh, of late, I would say in the running game.
0: We talked about the quarterback already. Um, what what does this passing game look like? Who who are the names to know when when the ball does go in the air for the Buckeye for the Buckeyes to defend, um, and and kind of how do you see that matching up against what has been a pretty good pass defense for Ohio State this year?
1: Yeah, I mean that that's where I was looking at the stats coming into the game, and I don't have to tell you or your listeners about how much of a change it's been, especially with explosive plays allowed. I think last year Ohio State was 48th in the country in explosives of over 20 yards or more allowed. This year, that looked coming into the game today, they're fourth. So that's where Minnesota has been getting a lot better here of late. And if they are going to throw it, you're going to see a gigantic target share go to Daniel Jackson, uh, someone that is one of the best receivers to me in the Big Ten. Uh, He certainly, I don't know if he's near the Marvin Harrison Jr. category, but he's a great contested catch winner. That's one of the things I love to look at with receivers. That's where Marvin Harrison has 10 contested catch wins. Daniel Jackson is right behind him, second in the Big Ten with nine. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he does an elite job of getting separation off the line and then getting separation out of his breaks. And he's someone that is the first option in Minnesota's passing game quite a bit. You'll also see a lot of number eighty-eight tight end, Brevin Span Ford, had a very disappointing start to the to his senior season. Someone that was a preseason uh, All-American. There was a lot of high expectations for him. It didn't go his way in the first half of the year. He's playing a lot better late. But if if and when Minnesota throws 35-ish times in this game, you're going to see a lot to Daniel Jackson. You're going to see a lot to Brevin Spanford. And they'll also work in more ancillary pieces like Corey Crooms and Chris Hotman bell
0: Spanford was somebody that Ryan Day brought up on his radio show specifically today. You mentioned it, it didn't go well at the start of the season. What what Why not? What What was holding him back?
1: That's the question. I mean, we just talked to Brevin Spanford yesterday for the first time this year, and he talked about just a lot of ups and downs. I, You know, he didn't come out and say it, but I wonder if the preseason expectations got to him a little bit where he was trying to do too much and it led to some drops. Um, You know, I think I can think of two direct interceptions that hit him right in the hands, both hands deflected up into the air and became interceptions. So instead of an explosive play, a first down, potentially a touchdown, it's an interception stat, and so I just think expectations maybe got to him a little bit. He simplified things. He's he's done a lot of different things. I would say since since that tumultuous start that he talked about, but I just think it comes back to playing within yourself with him because he is one of the most physically gifted tight ends out there. He's six foot six, two hundred and sixty five pounds. I mean, last year caught forty two balls, was the most a Minnesota tight end had caught since two thousand six when Matt Spath did it. I mean, he's a talented player. It's just him regaining his confidence. And I think he just went through a bad spout of of poor play, which led to poor confidence. And they've really built, built him up here in the last couple of weeks where he's gotten multiple touchdowns or he's scored touchdowns in each of his last two games.
0: When you look at the defensive side of the ball um, and you look at Ohio State's offense, where can the Gophers maybe get after the Buckeyes in your mind? Uh,
1: if Minnesota's going to have a shot in this game, it's going to be because their defensive line comes to play. Because coming into that Purdue game, Minnesota's defensive line had really turned it up a notch. Physicality, athleticism, getting after the passer, Um, coming into that Purdue game, and their three games since the bye week, they had forced eight turnovers in those three games. Now, last week, they couldn't get a stop, couldn't get off the field, didn't force a single turnover. But when it's going well, and when it has gone well here recently, it's Minnesota stops the run, and they got some pass rushers who can get after it. Guys like John ja Joyner, Anthony Smith, Jalen Logan Redding, Danny Strigo. I mean, they have been very physical up front. And I think there's been a big challenge this week. And that's where talking with the defensive coordinator, Joe Rossi, yesterday, he called the defensive line's performance a disappointment. And I think they've challenged them a lot, quite a bit this week, because I think, you know, like I do, I mean, Ohio State's incredibly gifted at the skill positions. But if there's going to be one place that you can attack them, it's it's potentially up front and so minnesota is going to have to get a pass rush if they're going to have a shot in this game
0: kyle mccord is a guy who's been polarizing in a different way than maybe some of the recent ohio state quarterbacks at least among Mm -hmm. uh the ohio state fan base what is the view maybe from people you talk to at minnesota from what you've seen of him um he has been good he hasn't been cj stroud justin field's good so how does how does Minnesota kind of feel about that coming into this game, going against a Ohio State quarterback who probably isn't going to be a Heisman Trophy contender?
1: It's crazy to me to, to hear you as someone who covers this program. I mean, the bar for Ohio State quarterback play is just so exponentially high. Yeah. Where you mentioned Justin Fields, first-round draft pick, Heisman Trophy caliber guy. C.J. Stroud, C, I mean, Heisman caliber guy. He's the NFL Rookie of the Year frontrunner for what he's doing right now. And then you have Kyle McCord, who's sitting here probably thinking, I got 20 touchdowns, four picks, and everybody's trying to talk down on me. I mean, last week, I mean, you know, like I do, 77% of his passes completed, 300-plus yards, three scores. I mean, you tell me. It looked like, to me anyway, potentially his best game of the season thus far, which obviously bodes well for them coming into the game this weekend. And then I hear there's a big game coming up next weekend for the Buckeyes too. So I think the way Minnesota views it is – He's probably better than what many fans think, or at least Ohio State fans think. Um, but he's obviously got great pieces around him that allow him to flourish, I would say.
0: Yeah, it is. It's interesting. There's been a lot of Kyle McCord talk this season. And and I do think there's, as it's just in time says, uh, we're a bit spoiled. He's talking about his Buckeye fans because it has been three straight guys who first-year starting quarterbacks have been Heisman Trophy finalists. Which, like, is... Let me
1: give you some perspective here. Minnesota yep, hasn't had a quarterback drafted in, I believe, over 50 years. And I know many Gopher fans, if there's any listening to this, would tell you they would kill for someone like Kyle McCord and the, the bevy of talent that Ohio State continues to have year after, year after year. And so, yeah, I mean, to me, perspective is always needed, yeah. but – I mean, many teams in this conference, you know, like I do, would kill for a guy like Kyle McCord.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I made a comparison on Twitter last week about J.J. McCarthy and Kyle McCord's numbers, and Michigan fans did not like that, but it's just interesting. Yeah, right. Uh, It's interesting the different perspective, as you said, how J.J. McCarthy is being looked at, Kyle McCord's being viewed, yet their numbers are fairly similar, uh, at least in terms of passing uh, this year. Anyway, we don't need to go down that road quite yet. Um, how how are people in Minnesota feeling about this game? You mentioned if Ohio, if Minnesota is going to have any chance in this game. What what's kind of the perspective among the fan base as the the team heads to Columbus here?
1: I mean, there is no expectations, truthfully, for them to right. be even close in this game. I, I mean, I run one, I run a twenty four seven site like you run a twenty four seven site, and you feel like you got a pretty good pulse on what the fans think, hardcores and casuals. And it's a four-touchdown spread. Minnesota arguably just played their worst game defensively in many years. And now you get to go against Marvin Harrison Jr., Cage Stover, Kyle McCord, Travion Henderson, Emeka Abuka. And you can't stop allowing explosive plays. Like in the three losses that have been egregious here in Big Ten play, the Illinois, the Purdue, uh, and the Northwestern game, they've given up, I believe, 17 different plays of over 20 or more yards great, now you get to go against Marvin Harrison and this entire gambit of silly, silly talented players. And so that's where that's what the expectations are. If they can keep it close, silver linings are dumb, especially in year seven of a program. But if you can just keep it close, say Ohio State's looking forward to the Michigan game because they saw last week's game like I did where Minnesota's really banged up at linebacker and they're, throwing, and they're playing a lot of freshmen back there. And so if you can just do some misdirection, some get their eyes going one way. So they take the cheese and come back the other way. You've got the gifted enough athletes to where you're going to score touchdowns. So if Minnesota is going to keep it close in this game, they're going to have to generate turnovers. They're going to have to not allow Ohio state to score more than 20, maybe 24 points in this game, because you know how good that Ohio state defense has been. I have a lot of respect for what Jim Knowles has done here in year two and I mean, Minnesota's offensive coordinator yesterday compared the Michigan, Iowa and Ohio State off and excuse me, defensive lines. And that's where what he said about Ohio State's was they may not be able to run through you. But my goodness, are they the most twitched up of the three? And they're one of the best defenses in college football because of it. And so it comes down to turnovers, explosive plays like it always does. But if Minnesota's going to have a chance, they got to keep this Ohio State offense out of the end zone.
0: If you were going to name like an X-factor for for Minnesota, maybe one on either side of the ball if you want, um, who would that be that could potentially help turn this game if it is to go in in the Gophers' favor?
1: I would say offensively it's got to be the quarterback, Ethan calliak Manis. I mean, he has just been so hot and cold from series to series, play to play, quarter to quarter, half to half. If good Ethan shows up for 60 minutes in this game, he is talented enough of a passer to keep Minnesota in this. If Athan shows up, which he has showed up in every single game this year, uh, there's going to be multiple turnovers. Just like in the uh, Michigan game, there could be some pick sixes. It all comes down to the quarterback to me. And if he's kept clean, he's been a lot better, just like any college quarterback. But if he's on, this thing could get interesting. And then defensively, I mean, it comes down to me. I won't say a specific player because I just want to name the linebackers. Okay. The linebackers last week were the primary reason to me why Minnesota gave up 600-plus yards, 49 points. I mean, they can just they couldn't make a run fit. They couldn't get in coverage correctly. They were taking the cheese. And if Minnesota can just clean up some things there, they'll have a shot in this game. But if they can, their linebackers aren't healthy, if they just get, continue to be picked on, I mean, to me, there's no disparity in this game. I think it's either going to be a close one or it's going to be a 25-point blowout like Vegas thinks it's going to be with that 28-point spread.
0: We had a question from one of our uh, viewers of the live show here for you. Um, Michael Hester asks, how does Minnesota think about the future Big Ten and the additions of four more teams, three of which have maintained a presence in the top 25? Uh, we've talked about this a little bit with some of our guests, but I'd like mm-hmm. to get your perspective on the, the new Big Ten, Big 16, whatever we're going to call it here in the future.
1: Yeah, I think the perspective for Minnesota um, would be they're obviously happy to be a part of it, but the question then becomes, I mean, I'm, I'm very curious just in the short term to see what 2024 looks like in the Big Ten because you mentioned those four teams that are joining. Well, we're talking about a Washington team that's going to be without Michael Pinnock next year, and we'll see if their offensive coordinator is still there. We'll see, um, obviously, with Oregon and Bo Nix. What does that look like once they're gone? Caleb Williams will be gone from USC. Uh, UCLA might be firing their coach here in the next week. I think in the short term, I'm very curious to see what all those teams look like because next year, Minnesota plays USC at home. They have to travel to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA. Uh, But I think it comes down to how do they continue to get better in recruiting? When I would argue that of the 18 then Big Ten teams, if you were to draw a 500-mile radius circle from the Twin Cities compared to any of the other 17 different Big Ten schools, Minnesota's is the worst in terms of the amount of Power 5 football talent around them. Okay. And so that's a big challenge for this job. Uh, one that I don't think enough people probably talk about is that the talent here in the state of Minnesota it not even on the same stratosphere for many of these Big Ten institutions. And so how does P.J. Fleck or whoever the go for football coach is Continue to overcome that, especially with maybe not the NIL that some of these programs have. I mean, it's something that there's a there's a lot of different talking points, at least from that perspective in this market.
0: Yeah, uh, that USC Minnesota game, battle of two teams that wear like the same jerseys, which (laughs) interesting. Um, I didn't realize they played both USC and UCLA next year, and back
1: to back weeks. It's unfortunate. I know a lot of people in this market were hoping that USC would come here in November. Uh, because contrary to popular belief, I stare outside right now and it is 67 degrees out in mid November, yeah. but I know come the Wisconsin game next weekend, I think we're supposed to have projected highs in the upper twenties. So it's very hot and cold here. It still does get hot just like it is today, but yeah, October 5th, USC comes to town next year. And then October 12th, Minnesota has to head out to California.
0: Yeah, I have a good buddy from college who's from the Twin Cities. I can, uh, I can say I've experienced both sides of the weather. Mm-hmm. Even in like a week long trip there, I've uh, experienced both sides all at once. So not that different from Columbus, just a little further north. Yeah. Um, thanks, Ryan. I appreciate your time. I know it's a busy week. Are you making the trip to Columbus this weekend?
1: Uh, I am not. This yeah. is. I have. I've been to Columbus before. I think I was back there uh, 2018. It was a night game. I remember that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not making the trip, unfortunately, with a 28-point uh, spread in the way I think Minnesota's injuries are going to play out. I don't know that it – I don't think it was in the budget for this year.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Buckeye fans, that gives you kind of a, a perspective on on Ryan's view of the game. We've done some written work. Your story is already up on on my answers to your questions. I will have mine up either later today or tomorrow morning, uh, depending on how things play out on our site I appreciate all your help this week and uh, thanks for giving some good insight on here, Ryan.
1: Enjoy that Coors Light, me boy.
0: I will. I will appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right. See ya. All right. That was Ryan Burns from our Minnesota site, Gophers illustrated. Uh, Go and check some stuff out over there that they've done. They've done some real good stuff this week with different coaches and players talking about the Buckeyes and kind of what they expect from this game. Um, Again, if you have questions, that you'd like answered on the Buckeyes, college football in general. You can throw Michigan questions in there, even though I feel like we've said everything we can possibly say about what's gone on. But if you have any questions, throw them in the chat. I saw a few already in there. Um, We'll touch on some of those at the end of the show, but we can never have too many questions to to end the show, so feel free to throw them in there if you've got them. I want to look back at last week's game for the Buckeyes because I said went is a big favorite. They handled the business early got starters out some guys didn't even play Travion Henderson Cade Stover some other guys barely or didn't play at all in the second half and it you know it's not a good Michigan State team we knew the Buckeyes were going to win handily in that game it would have been a huge upset otherwise so at this point in the season everything's looking towards you know maybe not the players and the coaching staff they've got to focus on week to week but we are all looking towards Michigan at the end of the year um, a potential big 10 championship game, a potential college football playoff. And like, how ready is Ohio state for that? So what can you take from that game? You know, blowout. I know it's only 35 points, but it could have been way worse if the Buckeyes wanted it to be. Um, what do you take from that? And I think defensively you saw pretty much more of the same. I'll get to a couple things on defense in a minute, but offensively, this was the Ohio State offense I think people have been expecting to see all season so like how real is this right what you know Marvin Harrison Jr. is legitimate he had seven catches for 149 yards and two touchdowns but like is Kyle McCord's 24 for 31 335 yards three touchdown day is that something closer to what we expect from Kyle McCord So my thought is that this is the next step in Kyle's progression. Now, is he going to put up these numbers against Michigan in two weeks? You'd hope so. I don't know if the yardage is the same. It's probably not as high of a completion percentage. Um, But I think he took some really positive steps in this game. And the offensive line, now again, Michigan State's defense, not great, but also not as bad as I think people think of it. You know, they kind of are a middle-of-the-road defense this year. It's not the Michigan State defense of the past, but it's also not one of the worst defenses Ohio State has faced this year. So I do think there's something to the defensive line giving Kyle almost entirely a clean pocket. There were a couple times where he was pressured, maybe maybe three. I'm, I can think of two just off the top of my head, and I thought I, he handled that pretty well. Um, Didn't give up a sack, if I'm not mistaken. yeah, no sacks for Michigan State. So what from Kyle's game can you take? Well, I think the first thing is, and this is something Ryan Day's talked about, when he is able to get his feet set and have that strong base, I think he is one of the better throwers in the country. Where he will need to get better is is throwing when it's not perfect. And we've seen him make some throws off his back foot a few times. You actually saw one in that game, that pass. Um, towards the end of kind of the starters playing when I think it was the, yeah, it was on that first drive of the second half when he threw the through to Marvin Harrison jr. In the end zone and kind of threw up his back foot under threw Marvin. And it wasn't Marvin's fourth touchdown of the game. Um, but if he can get his feet set and kind of get into that groove early. And I think that's important. I think Kyle can be, look, is he elite right now? No, but he can be, good enough with everything around him. Now, some of that has to do with the play of the offensive line and giving Kyle a clean pocket and allowing him to have the time. You know, he's not worried about things going on around him and that will be more difficult against a team like Michigan. Um, You know, any, any teams they face. you know, if you face an Iowa in the big 10 championship game, obviously Iowa's offense doesn't do much, but the defense will certainly cause some issues. And then, whoever is it potentially in the college football playoff. But if you can get Kyle with that strong foundation and he's not moving his feet. And I think he's gotten better with that throughout the year. Some of the throws he made in that game were, were as good as, as it gets. I mean that the first touchdown to Marvin Harrison, Jr. um, Good route. Now he's on a freshman cornerback. You You like that matchup. Kyle recognizes it throws with anticipation lost it into the end zone the touchdown to Cade Stover uh the, the putting it only where Stover can catch it kind of on the outside there these are throws that Kyle hasn't always been making and there were very few throws in that game where I was like come on Kyle what are you doing which hasn't always happened this year so look I think this is a positive step in the right direction and you know if you want to say it was just Michigan State I get that but imagine if Kyle had looked, like he did against Rutgers against Michigan state Rutgers, a better defense. Um, and there was some inconsistencies there. I think you'd be pretty disappointed. I think this is a positive step. Now, what Kyle needs to do is go out this week against another Minnesota team that, that doesn't have kind of the same horses and have another game. That looks a lot like this one. You know, if you can complete, you know, 70, 75 ish percent of your passes throw for over 300 yards. Again, get, get your guys in the end zone a few times. I think that you're going to feel pretty good about where McCord is. Also offensive line has to give him time to throw again. Uh, I think you're going to feel pretty good about Kyle's chances going up to Michigan after back-to-back really solid performances that needs to happen uh, for Kyle. I also really liked that Ohio state showed some different things than just their normal offense. And I think some of this probably has to do with, okay, we've had this in the playbook. We've run things to set things up uh, for plays like this. Let's put it on film, something Michigan has to worry about here in a couple weeks. Um, the first one that that comes to mind, obviously, is the Marvin Harrison Jr. rushing touchdown, the reverse. A pretty simple play, but they executed it really well, faked the counter, which has been one of, uh, I think it was Travian Henderson who was in the game, one of Ohio State's best run plays this year. The, the thing that really stood out to me on that play was G. Scott Jr. coming from the the right side of the offensive line, coming in motion or coming to the left, like he's going to block for Travion Henderson on the counter, and then right as Marvin Harrison gets that ball, and the timing on this was perfect, he turns and goes, follows, I think it was Josh Fryer out as a, as a lead blocker there, and it was so well blocked. Um, there was a receiver out there, I'm not sure, probably Julian Fleming if I had to guess, but... Play like that, something we hadn't seen a ton of from Ohio State. We've seen these handoffs to Xavier Johnson and Emeka Buka, but this one like was based on something else that was set up by Ohio State having success with that counter play, and now you build something else off of it. Another example, the two running backs, the split backs. Um, it was, I think, almost always Xavier Johnson and Chip Tranum, and they've done this the last few weeks, but they did it the most against Michigan State. Handoff to to Xavier Johnson, Chip Trayonum is the lead blocker. Then they switched it up and had Xavier Johnson go first, fake the handoff to tip, trip Trayonum. Oh, both guys are running routes because I think it was Marvin Harrison who was double covered down the field. You've got a wheel route from Xavier Johnson. Nice little throw, thirty-one yard game. Another fun play from Ohio State. Uh, These are the type of things that I think you can take going forward. Uh, This is the type of thing that, yes, maybe a better defense recognizes that quicker or, or, you know, isn't doubling, doesn't have to double Marv so they can cover Xavier Johnson better coming out of the backfield. And maybe it doesn't go for 31 yards, but I think these are plays that they haven't shown a ton of this season. Um, You know, the end around again, same thing. You you set that up with with what you've done elsewhere. Uh, now you know maybe if you you try that against Michigan, maybe Michigan recognizes that you don't get a touchdown. But I think there's there's opportunities there, and it doesn't have to be these same plays, right? Uh, Brian Hartline and Ryan Day both this week talked about with the split backs that they have some other things off of it that they can do stuff that they like to do out of it. I will be interested to see if Travion Henderson is involved in more of that at some point when they. Uh, you know, have those two, maybe Travion and Chip Traunum in there. And, and, you know, obviously Travion can do some some similar things to what Xavier Johnson can do in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield as well. So I think that stuff is real. The fact that we're seeing some more creativity from the Buckeyes here at the end of the season. And part of that has to do with having your pieces back, right? Um, you, you can run that split back set when Emeka Gbuka is healthy, so you don't need Xavier Johnson in. Playing wide receiver and and Travion Henderson's healthy, so Chip Tranum can be your other back. So it's you know you've got your full complement of guys. You're okay running Marv when you've got the other wide receivers available, right? And, and you know not that you ever want to risk anything happening to him, but you 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 feel more confident with those guys out there blocking and whatnot. Um, so I think it all kind of goes hand in hand, and I think that that's something you can take away: is this coaching staff looking for more creative ways? To move the ball, than just hand off to Travion, hand off to Tranum, you know, throw the ball to Marv, take a shot, those type of things. Um, and then the other, the other thing that I think is is something that will continue and has been a, a staple really all season when he's been healthy is Cade Stover. And I don't know if you're talking, if we're talking about him enough, uh, but Cade Stover this year: thirty-four catches, five hundred and eight yards, four touchdown receptions on the season uh you compare that to what he did last year in fewer games 36 catches so two fewer 406 yards 102 more and he had five touchdowns last year. Cade Stover's become one of the best tight ends in the country. Um obviously was banged up so he didn't play against Rutgers but when he's healthy and he was healthy again last week seven catches for 79 yards and and that touchdown we talked about. You know, that's a guy you don't have to do anything fancy with though. I did like Kyle McCord kind of improvising under pressure, flipping the ball out to Cade, and I think it went for a first down. Uh, But Cade's a guy I think you're going to have to lean on, and a guy I've said this a few times this season, that during the college football playoff semifinal, he leaves in the end of the first quarter, I think it was. That's a guy I think that the Buckeyes miss more than people realize. Yes, you lose Marv late in the game, but if you'd had Cade there, I think you probably – feel more comfortable on that final drive getting down the field than basically just relying on a Mecca and Xavier Johnson. So I think Cade Stover continues to be a real weapon for this offense. I think he's a guy that's going to have to step up in Ann Arbor in two weeks and then any potential games in the postseason that the Buckeyes have. Flipping to the defensive side of the ball, um, the one area that I am concerned about for this Buckeye team is the rush defense. And Jim Knowles was asked about this two weeks ago um, after the Rutgers game. Um, In that game, Rutgers rushed for 239 total yards. 159 of those yards came from their running back. Now 49 of those came on a trick play. So, you know, but that's still 109, 119 yards. You give up on the ground to a running back. they've had issues. Issues is a strong word. They've had, if there's going to be, if there are issues, that's where it's been for Ohio state. Um, you know, you give up against Notre Dame, a uh, 70 yard rusher in uh, Audrick Estime. uh, against Purdue, you give up an hundred yard rusher against Wisconsin where the Buckeyes actually held the Badgers in check. Uh, I think Wisconsin had, what was it here? Uh, only 94 rushing yards, but Brendan Allen, who granted one of the best running backs in the country, or at least in the big 10 had 50 yards before leaving the game right before halftime. So he's on pace for a hundred yard day there. I think the Buckeyes have handled the, the rushing attack pretty well, but you know, if you compare where they are rush defense wise to kind of the rest of their defense, 22nd in the country, giving up 112.4 yards per game on the ground, whereas against the pass, they're number two, giving up 149.8. Obviously, you give up more yards through the air. Um, that, to me, is is kind of the concern, and especially given what you have coming in two weeks against Michigan. Um, this is a Wolverine team that, and, that has not run the ball as well as people expected this season. Um, I think they're just outside the top 40, in rush offense, but it's starting to get going for the Wolverines. Blake Corum last week against Penn state, one of the best rush defenses in the country, 26 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns, Donovan Edwards, 10 carries, 52 yards, a touchdown. That to me is where Michigan is going to try and attack the Buckeyes. And, you, you you certainly will not be able to be as one-dimensional as uh, Michigan was against Penn State in that second half where I think they they didn't complete a pass. I think they did attempt one that was called pass interference. Um, but I think they will have to throw against the Buckeyes, and J.J. McCarthy will have to show he he has the arm to beat Ohio State, which was a key last year, and he was able to do that thanks to some issues on Ohio State's defense. Uh, But that is one of the things that that worries me a little bit about this team. And you look at Michigan State last week, Nate Carter, who is a good running back, not a great running back, but a good running back at this point in his career, running behind a pretty bad offensive line, 52 yards on 11 carries. Um, Jaron Mangum is backup, who just recovered from injury, 35 yards on nine carries. So like nothing overly concerning there. Um, I think both guys came out early in the fourth quarter. Obviously you're throwing because you're down, but there were some plays that, that hit a little bit against this Ohio state defense on the ground. Um, I'm looking at Carter's stats here. You know, he had, he had a handful of, you know, four, five, six, seven, nothing big. I think it was Mangum who ended up having a couple big runs um, against the Buckeyes um looking looking through here but you just you just worry a little bit as as you know it's going to get tougher right that that to me is like where teams can get the Buckeyes a little bit this defense that's been so good so that is one thing that you know each week when they've given up some of these now what I will say and Jim Knowles talked about that this week is they've adjusted really well to what the opposing offense has done um and I think that has been a, a pretty important thing for Jim Knowles' teams the entire time he's been at Ohio State. Uh, but yeah, if you're looking for something to be worried about going forward, and I know Buckeye fans love to be worried about what's going to happen against Michigan, that does concern me a little bit, is is the fact that the Wolverines are heating up against the run, and it's been Ohio State's, I don't want to say weak spot, because they've been good. You know, Like I said, they're number 22 in the country. That's not bad, but it's been the way to attack the Buckeyes in Michigan certainly uh, knows how to do that. They've proven it against Ohio State the last couple of years, and, like I said, they're they're heating up. Um, so those are the things I think maybe the takeaways from that Michigan State game. Everything else, you know, is kind of kind of gravy when you're playing a team that just isn't able to match up with you um, this late in the year. And Michigan State was not. Again, if you have some questions, I know we've had a few more thrown in this chat here. You're watching this live. Feel free to throw them in there. I'm going to start answering some of these that I've noticed here. Um, We've got one from Jabari DJ Big Hoover, I think. Um, Will we unleash the Thurmanator this week? Julian Thurman, the freshman tight end uh, from Georgia, or Jelani Thurman, excuse me. Uh, Last week, two catches, 18 yards. Came in late, was out there with freshman quarterback Lincoln Keenholz. Um I don't think you're going to see Thurman unleashed this season unless something crazy happens injury wise. Look, a super talented, super physically, you know, gifted kid, um but a guy that probably is not ready to do all of the things that Ohio State asks of its tight ends right now and and that's specifically on the blocking side of things. Um, You know, you look at what, look, look at how long it's taken a guy like Cade Stover guy like G Scott, who was a converted uh, wide receiver to kind of come into their own at the position. It doesn't just happen overnight. When, when you're Ohio state, I mean, Jelani Thurman last year was essentially just a big wide receiver in high school. He wasn't asked to do the inline blocking stuff. So he needs to learn and, you know, be willing to do, that type of thing. Um, And and I think he's making progress from what I've, what I've been told. And we've talked to Keenan Bailey and and the little bits we've seen him, but the, the, that is is really the issue. I don't think it's, you know, if you asked him to go out there and run routes and catch passes, could he do it? Yes. But they ask a lot more of their tight ends. Um, I think next year, especially if Cade Stover's gone, which we expect, um, you know, we'll see what happens with kind of the depth pieces. Ohio state has, G. Scott, I imagine, steps up, but, uh, you know, Joe Royer hasn't done much. Sam Hart, Bennett Christian, those guys, kind of where do they stand? You know, if Jelani can show that he can do those, handle the blocking responsibilities, you know, it could be it could be an opportunity for him next year for sure. Um, Jabari also asked, will we see Devin Brown this week a lot more or a lot more of the West Dakota Heisman? I mentioned Lincoln Kingholtz already. Uh, I like that nickname. Uh, I would say you could possibly see Devin Brown. I think Ohio state is going to be cautious with him. I will say before we were, when we are setting up for interviews on the indoor field at Ohio or at the Woody Hayes athletic center, uh, Wednesday night, the quarterbacks come in, um, from the practice field. And I don't know what they do down at the far end, but they end up like doing basically like 40 yard, 50 yard sprints towards us. And, uh, some of the younger guys went and I was curious if, devin would run given he's he's playing with an ankle and he did and it looked okay now it's still pretty heavily taped um so look i think if it gets in a i don't think what you'll see because i don't think you'll need it if you're ohio state is devin brown in that red zone package you shouldn't need that against minnesota you should be able to do um kind of whatever you want in this game i would imagine but you know if you get down to the point in the second half where you're pulling starters out I think you could see Devin Brown. Um, Now it's definitely possible that Ohio state decides we're going to be cautious with him. We want him to be good for Michigan next week. We don't want anything to happen and him to tweak that ankle. So maybe they go with Lincoln again, uh, let him get some more reps, which will be good for him down the line. Um, But I also, you know, it's never a bad idea to get reps for a guy like Devin Brown, who a is only one, throw away one play away from needing to come into a game and and play meaningful snaps and B, you know, at some point, I mean, if you you look at the pecking order right now, he's next in line whenever Kyle McCord heads, heads off to what we assume will be the NFL. And I don't think that's coming after this year, but you look down the road, um, getting Devin reps is not a bad idea if he's healthy enough. And you know, that's kind of the big question, right? Is he healthy enough to, uh, come out there and do what they want to do. Um, You know, so I would be surprised if you see him in the red zone, I would not be surprised if he plays a little bit, but it it could be more of as Jabari puts it, the West Dakota Heisman, uh, which I I really like that nickname for him. Uh, Let's see. How will Michigan do at Maryland? Malachi Wilson asked that. Um, I don't think that, he also asked and lead to the Michigan coach being fired. Um, if anyone gets fired at Michigan, I don't think it'll have to do with what happens at Maryland uh, on Saturday. I imagine the Wolverines will be just fine at Maryland. Now, uh, I will say we all remember Ohio State. Apologies there. Uh, we all remember Ohio State going to Maryland the week before the Michigan game last year and that game and kind of how it went. But this is a Maryland team that since losing to Ohio state earlier this year has lost to Illinois, Northwestern Penn state 51 to 15. And then last week won at Nebraska by three. So this isn't even the Maryland team that came into Ohio stadium, hot and undefeated and looking good. I mean, it's, it's kind of all fallen apart as it has in the past. Um, for Maryland in the second half of this season. I mean, they fall into six and four overall after a six and or a five and 0 start, three and four in Big Ten play. So I watched Michigan last week. I think they look pretty focused on uh, what's going on, just like Ohio State. I imagine they handle Maryland pretty comfortably. But like I said, Maryland put up a big fight against Ohio State last year. If Michigan's looking ahead a little bit, thinking, uh, you know, it's all already. You know Michigan last year against Illinois in that game before coming to Columbus, it was it was a dogfight. I think it went down to you know late in the fourth quarter. Now Michigan didn't play all their players in that game. Blake Corum, I don't think, really played. So you know there was some of that there, but there is always that danger of looking ahead, and, and that's the case for both teams. Um, you know this week as as they get ready for the big game in two weeks in Ann Arbor. Uh, Michael also asked. Do you feel the Big Ten will stand pat with their uh, present discipline of Michigan, even if the NCAA's investigation includes a strong indication of validity to the charges brought forth? Uh, right now, I don't think the Big Ten's going to do anything more than they have, and I think they'll let the investigation play out with the NCAA. Um, you know, I don't think it would make sense for the Big Ten to make a ruling on Jim Harbaugh and you know say he's suspended through the rest of the season and then come back with more penalties unless more comes out. And obviously though things have slowed down with the Michigan scandal, um, you know, things, things have continued to trickle out uh, about this situation. So unless there's anything new that comes up, I think that you've probably seen what will happen to Michigan during the season. Um, The NCAA will probably act at some point in the off season what that means, you know, for Michigan is is tough to say. Um, you know, I think uh, I think that right now this is what the punishment's going to be. We will see what this uh, hearing in Ann Arbor brings as they look to get Jim Harbaugh back on the sidelines. I'm no lawyer, so I don't know enough about that to comment. But um, you know, it's it's not been a boring time to be in Ann Arbor right now especially if you are interested in in kind of the downfall of the Wolverines program. Uh, Steven Conrad, I'm curious what the OSU defense will do against the team up North having seven offensive linemen on the field, or at least three tight end sets. He said he's doubtful and nickel won't lead to mismatches when they pull and trap. Um, I think you will see more three linebacker looks against Michigan. Assuming Tommy Eichenberg is healthy, Um, you know, him steel chambers, and Cody Simon on the field to match up with uh, with those type of bigger sets. I think if Lathan Rans- Ransom were healthy, and it doesn't sound like, unfortunately, he will be back for that game. I think you could see maybe Sonny Styles kind of play that uh, that linebacker spot and move in, you know, kind of that bigger nickel uh, to help defend against the run. But with him having to play the bandit safety with Lathan out. I do think you will see less of Jordan Hancock in those situations and maybe none of Jordan Hancock in those situations and maybe more Cody Simon who continues to play pretty well. Um, Michael Hester. Do you think Minnesota rushing could be limited more if we went with three linebackers going off of what we just said? Um, Yeah. I don't know if Ohio state will do a ton of that. I'm sure there will be three linebackers on the field, especially if Tommy's back. This week, when when Minnesota goes into their heavier packages, um, but I do think you can stop some of Minnesota's rushing attack, even with Ohio State's base defense. Um, you know, you you it's this isn't the Michigan rushing attack, right? This isn't uh, the same level, though. Still been good this year, and if Darius Taylor is still out, which is the expectation, their freshman running back. Um, you know, Jordan Newbin has 81 carries for 393 yards, Sean Tyler, 58 for 227. So it's not a rushing attack. That's going to absolutely kill you. So I don't know if you go with that. You've shown it. So it's not like you're hiding anything from Michigan. Everyone knows that you are, have the ability to go with three linebackers. So maybe they do it if, if they need to, but I do think, um, you know, they've proven that they can also stop the run as much as they have out of their base defense um you know they did some of that against wisconsin i mean even went to a dime package at one point against wisconsin when the wisconsin spread things out uh bill mash could we see hayden as a surprise with henderson um i think the dallin hayden situation is is one of the stranger ones i've ever seen i don't know why there's a hesitation to put the kid on the field i think he's super talented um i get not wanting to unnecessarily burn a red shirt. But, you know, if, if Dallin Hayden next year is Ohio state's starting running back because Travion Henderson and mine Williams are gone and he has a great year, you know, is he sticking around an extra year after that or an extra two years after that? I don't, I don't know if it makes sense to plan that way. So to answer your question, it would be a surprise. I think that's the way you phrase the question is very valid because I don't think that Ohio State plans on using Dallin Hayden except in an emergency capacity, Um, despite the fact that every time he gets out there, he does a good job running the ball. And, you know, I do think it would be interesting. Um, The one thing I don't know with those two together is what I think it does is it gives you two guys that are both very likely to get the ball. But I think when you have Chip out there, Chip is perfectly capable of being a lead blocker and we've seen him line up at fullback this year so you know if you have trevion and if you have um uh hayden out there who is who's blocking i don't think you're gonna have well while well, trevion has proven to be willing to stick his head in there and block for kyle mccord you know dallin hasn't done that as well you know i don't know if either of them is the guy you want as kind of the lead blocker in those situations um so you know you They both can do some different things, though. I think it would be interesting. Um, I'm not sure that you will see it, though. I think, as you said, it will be a pretty big surprise um, just because of how little they've used Dallin Hayden this year and kind of the insistence to keep his redshirt year alive. Uh, Okay, we're going to wrap it up with our usual final segment the uh, what you will be reading on Sunday, what the headline will be on, well, Saturday night, Sunday morning, whenever you are going to tune in for your Buckeye news. I'm going to keep it simple like last week. Um, You know, I think this will be a very similar game to the Michigan State game. Minnesota, just a banged up team, not a ton to play for, as Ryan brought up when he was on talking with us. Uh, There's not a ton of expectation here. Now that's outside the program. Obviously those guys are going to come in and fight, but I think it's a lot, a lot like Michigan state, you know, maybe the score isn't, maybe it doesn't come quite as easy, but I think the final score could be similar. So I think the headline will be, you know, Buckeyes handle, Gophers prepare for matchup with unbeaten Wolverines with everything on the line. And look, I can't tell you how excited I am for next week. Uh, I'm sure you guys all are too. This is, you know, the 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 game that everybody has circled. You know, it was awesome going to Notre Dame and kind of seeing that atmosphere in that game. Uh, the Penn State game was huge in Columbus. You can, you know, name the teams that Ohio State has played over the years and the opportunity to to watch those games, cover those games, all that. But this is the game that matters, right? And I think even before all of the Michigan scandal stuff, this game had so much, especially from an Ohio State perspective after losing these last two years um you know it, it was gonna be it was gonna be tremendous and then you add in Michigan in trouble stuff that's been said about Ryan Day in this program by people on that side of things and I think you've only thrown fuel on the fire here um uh, I think it's gonna be awesome Ann Arbor. I can't wait to get ahead and you know, kind of see that game and, and kind of the build up next week. It's, it's always fun. You throw Thanksgiving in there with the Turkey. It's a great week. It's a great week. Uh, I'm very excited for it. I'm sure all of you guys are as well, but before we do that, we've got Minnesota this week. We will be there. Uh, we will be covering the game. So stay tuned for all that. Still got plenty of stuff to come out uh, this week. With uh, with our Michigan or Minnesota. Wow, I'm already ahead of myself. With our Minnesota coverage, uh, and then after the game, Dave will start the what we learn live as soon as the whistle blows. Steve and I will make our appearances on there, talking about the game, the post game press conference, all that, and then it's on to Michigan. So it's crazy. It's crazy. We're already this far into the season. Thank you all for tuning in. I do appreciate it. Thanks to Ryan Burns from our Minnesota site. At 24 seven sports. If you missed any of Ryan, go back and watch this. The podcast version of this will be up here in a little bit, but you can find the full archive video version on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk next week. Oh, next week we will probably do this show earlier in the week, given the holiday. I'm hoping to get a couple of special guests on work trying to work out, schedule things with them. Um, we may even do two versions of the show, one with the guests and then one where we, uh, talk with, uh, with our Michigan guys. So we'll, uh, we'll see, we'll see, but we'll let you guys know. So stay tuned for that. Cheers, everybody. We'll talk to you on Saturday.